Afisco forms a silver bullet for South Sudan's distressing debt. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Adong. South Sudan's external public debt is estimated at 1 trillion US dollars, about 41% of GDP as at the end of June 2020. The International Monetary Fund says fiscal measures need to be put in place. Key among them are authorities remaining committed not to contract oil advances and refraining from taking highly non-concessional loans. We speak to a call doc, economic analyst and CEO of RS Consulting Limited. Why is Sudan currently debt distressed? According to the World Bank, uh, countries in East Africa region have been affected by debt distress levels due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo is considered debt distress. Kenya, South Sudan and Burundi are considered high distress. And Rwanda, Uganda and Tanzania are considered moderate distress. This is according to the World Bank. The Republic of South Sudan's debt levels can be attributed to a number of things. Number one is the conflict. South Sudan went to conflict in 2013, and this conflict has impeded any sort of economic development or economic production and has resulted in economic uh, digression, which has in turn affected government revenues and their ability to service these debts. Number two, South Sudan was producing a lot of oil in 2013, but the oil production has gone down significantly from around 350,000 barrels per day uh, in 2013 to the equivalent of 150,000 barrels per day today. And South Sudan was affected by the low oil prices. Low oil, price, oil prices dipped in 2015 from about 100, 100 barrels, $100 per barrel to about uh, $30 per barrel. This in turn affected South Sudan. South Sudan's conflict, the low oil production, and the low oil prices affected it greatly in their inability to service debts, uh, 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 pay government commitments, and force it to take even more loans to pay these commitments. What are some of the reforms that South Sudan government has initiated to deal with debt distress? So the conflict has in turn, but in 2018, the government and opposition uh, factions signed a revitalized agreement to a uh, resolution of conflict in South Sudan. And this in turn resulted in the formation of the revitalized transitional government of national unity in February 2020. This unity government has created relative stability and peace in South Sudan, has allowed the government to continue to uh, contribute to economic growth ensure peace and security, and develop a roadmap for uh, elections. Now, with these things, they've come reforms. The government of South Sudan has been initiating reforms. Most of the debt that the government has, 80% are considered non-concessional loans, which are included to QMB and to Africa Bank. The domestic debt is uh, is about 5 percentage points. And most of the domestic debts are salaries and goods and services. In, in 2017, the government has stopped monetary financing of its domestic debt, but the coronavirus pandemic has put a lot of pressure on the government to increase domestic debt by around five percentage points to offset some of their commitments. In fiscal year 2019-2020, uh, 80% of the loans were non-consensual uh, non loans, and they included to Afrikaanse Bank and the Qatar National Bank. And the government has been taking positive steps towards ensuring this. Number one example is the government has limited short-term oil-backed loans for, and reduced it from an estimated $338 million in March 2019 to about $99 million in June 2020. And this has greatly impacted the country's ability to manage debt. The increasing global oil prices, what outlook does that present for the current debt situation? Finally, the best thing about South Sudan is South Sudan's in peace uh, the production is going up and the oil price have gone up. 
This is the great ability for South Sudan to utilize the opportunity to, number one, increase production to ensure that they get more oil revenue and diversify the economy so that they're creating more output. South Sudan has the potential to grow exponentially if there's peace and stability in the country. And according to the IMF and the World Bank, South Sudan's economy expected to grow by 4%. And this is enhanced by the reform that the government has been taking as a result of the revitalized agreement. And now South Sudan has been, has been attracting investment and money to diversify different sectors in the country. That was a cold talk economic analyst based in Juba and also the CEO of RS Consulting Limited. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The Central Bank of Ghana has increased its key prime interest rate by 250 basis points to 17%. It's the bank's highest rate hike in more than 20 years, signaling an aggressive stance against rising inflation, a depreciating local currency, and worsening investor confidence in the West African nation. It's the biggest increase in borrowing costs, citing uncertainty surrounding price development and its impact on economic activity. The bank's governor, Ernest Addison, said the risks to inflation are on the upside. A new inflation rate in Ghana accelerated for the ninth straight month to 15.7% in February, the highest rate since October of 2016. Now, the Central Bank of Egypt has unexpectedly raised its key overnight deficit rate by 100 basis points to 9.25% in an exceptional monetary policy committee meeting. It's the fast increase in borrowing costs since 2017 amid strong inflationary pressures. The monetary policy committee had been scheduled to meet on March 24th. Policymakers note that rising international commodity prices resulting from further supply chain disruptions in addition to increased risk of sentiment have added to domestic inflationary pressures as well as external imbalances. The overnight lending rate has also increased to 10.25% from 9.25%. Uganda's coffee exports in February plunged 20% compared to shipments from the same period a year ago. The Uganda Coffee Development Authority, the state-run sector regulator, attributed the decline to a drought that has cut yields in some parts of the country. The East African country exported about 450,000 60-kilogram bags in February, 20% lower than volumes exported in February last year. Uganda is Africa's biggest exporter of coffee, followed by Ethiopia, and earnings from the beans constitute a major tranche of foreign exchange for the country. UCDA said the decline in exports were mainly on account of low yields of Robusta, the coffee variety that Uganda predominantly cultivates. The Central Bank of Nigeria has kept its benchmark interest rate steady at a six-year low of 11.5% in March this year, in line with the market forecast saying that tightening could adversely impact the fragile recovery of output growth and may stiffen the expected investment expansion. Nigeria's annual inflation rate rose to 15.7% in February compared to the Central Bank's 9% target. Six members of the Monetary Policy Committee voted to leave the rate unchanged, three members wanted a 25 basis point increase, while one voted for a half percent point hike. And a quick look at the markets. Brent crude futures jumped more than 4% to US$113 per barrel on Monday, extending gains for a third straight session as the Ukraine conflict showed no sign of easing, while major oil producers struggled to meet their allotted quotas under a supply agreement. Prices moved higher after Ukraine said early Monday the country's forces would not surrender in the city of Mariupol, 
With investors forecast returning to weather, the market would be able to replace Russian oil hit by sanctions. Meanwhile, OPEC Plus missed its production target by more than 1 million barrels per day in February as an already tight market braces for major Russian disruption. The IEA said last week that the oil market was set for a 700,000 barrels per day supply deficit in the second quarter as Western sanctions on Moscow and by reluctance could lead Russian oil supplies to drop by 3 million barrels per day from April. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good morning, Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial.